scripture surrounds Jesus. Every scripture you read talks about him. We're here because of him. He is the sinner. He is the Alpha. He is the Omega. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. He's the reason why we exist. He's the Son of Man. He's God the Son. And his government is on his shoulders. He's a wonderful counselor. The everlasting Father. Almighty God. The Prince of Peace. That's why we're here today. That's why we people gather all over the world in some little room and maybe somewhere outside. His name is Jesus. God, you sit. And we thank you because of your blood that we have that access to come to the Father. You're the golden center. Thank you for this morning. And in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. You may be seated. It is so good to see you here this morning. I want you to know that I'm a part of a network called the Four College Church Network. I've been as the executive director of that for several years. And we have a saying that when we get up and talk, we always want people to know that we've got a lot of great churches in this city. There's some great churches in this city. They're leading right now. And we're so glad that you take the time to come here. And we want to encourage you to continue to pray for the churches in our city. Because they are preaching the gospel. We trust that they're preaching it word for word, line for line. The people are hearing the full unadulterated un adulterated gospel. And we're so glad that you're here. Now, before I start with the message this morning, I just want to bring back to your attention something that we, as a leadership, as a church, will begin to do February 1. And we will start the Daniel Fast for 21 days. And that should start the first day of February, which I think is this Saturday, if I got it off. I'm not sure what the end of the uh, day is, maybe Friday. But you can start with anything that you want in the sense of how what you choose to fast from. You can fast from social media. You can fast from peanut butter and jelly. I mean, it's really up to you. It's up to you what you want to fast from. The whole issue is your heart. And if you want to know more in detail, we do have sheets out on the side and, and, and uh, on the back it talks about what a Daniel fast looks like and on the back and on the other side it tells you all the things you can do. Isaiah 58 will be the cornerstone of what we're doing. If you want to come back tonight, we're going to go in detail and begin to talk about it and kind of get people, you know, started on that. So if you'd like to join us because our, our fast has a lot to do with uh, asking uh, God to come and, and shine his glory uh, in our presence, uh, come and uh, you know break our hearts. Come and be with us. And uh, there are a lot of churches across America that are doing this uh, in the month of January. We just decided to do it in the month of February. And so we hope that you will join us. And so, ladies and gentlemen, we have been uh, looking at the Book of Ephesians, and we are kind of closing out the second chapter. And I hope that uh, you have been trucking with us. And uh, two, three weeks ago, we talked about the healthy uh, alignment uh, that God uh, 
was doing to the body and how he continues to, like a chiropractor, keep us straight in structure. And uh, then there was the second week where we talked about because of the blood of Jesus, we have access uh, to the Father. Uh, and uh, last week we talked about this kingdom residency because he's getting us ready to occupy this mansion in the sky for us. And today we're going to be talking about a holy temple. Now we always want to remind you that when you look at the book of Ephesians in its totality, it is a book that really not only was written to the people at Ephesus, but it also talks about the health of the church from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 6. And I will always bring that to your attention because we want to be able to communicate to you in content and in context of the scripture, knowing that that first chapter means that you were called out. You were called out, Father. You were redeemed by the Son, and you were sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. And in the second chapter, it talks about famine. And that's what that uh, verse from 15 all the way down to verse 21 talks about, the significance of him calling the Jews and the Gentiles to be one. It's all about family in the second chapter. So when you hear the message today, it's a family issue. And in that third chapter, we hear the church being a mystery, uh, something that no one can figure out. Paul says, I am a steward of that mystery. And guess what? So he is. And then when you look at the fourth chapter, you see him uh, talking about a team, you know, the apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and evangelists were given for the purpose of the church to what? To reach maturity. That is still true today. And in the fifth chapter, she's a bride. And, you know, it talks about loving your wives like Christ loves the church. It talks about children and husbands and all of that. And then when you get to chapter six, it talks about you being an army. Man, what a powerful, powerful visual of the church. So she's called out. She's a family. She's a mystery. She's a team. She's a bride, and she's an army. And so we teach verse 20 and verse, 20, verse 21 and verse 22 in that context. And so if you would uh, turn with me there, I will once again uh, uh, do my uh, best to handle uh, the clicker. Now, here's what I want you to know as we begin to read. We're going to go all the way back up to verse 15, because verse 15 captures all that we have done all the way down to verse uh, 21, I believe, verse, uh, yeah, verse 20. And here's what it says. He says this. He says, by, by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, that in himself he might make the two into one new man. That's that family understanding. Thus establishing peace. And might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross, by it having put to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were far away. I demonstrated that to you. And peace to those who were near. For through him we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints. Here again, he is talking about family and of our God and of God's household, having been built upon, we talked about that last week, the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Now, this is our text today, and there's a lot in it. And I made a statement to you last week, I'm going to make it again in a different way. But here's what it says. And in whom 
together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. Talking about you. Now, I made a statement to you last week when I said that when God looks at you, you take his breath away. Now, that's something else I'm going to add today to that. But if you saw what he was doing to you, you would take your hands off of it. If you saw what God was shaping, you would get out of the way and let him have his way with you. I remember that story when somebody was talking about some pot that had been set on a shelf. And by the time that pot had gotten his senses together, and began to talk to the other pots. They asked him what happened. He said, man, all I remember is being dug out of the ground and taken away from my soil, brothers. You know what I'm saying? And then this guy poured water on me, man. All of a sudden, he put me on the spill and started beating me up and making me dizzy and picking things out of me. And then all of a sudden, when he started stop doing that, he threw me in this furnace. Man, it was hot as in there. Then the other pots looked at him and said, but man, let me tell you something. He made you look today out of that. I wish you could see yourself. Ladies and gentlemen, when God looks at you, you take his breath away. But if he gave you a picture of how you're going to look when he finished, you would get your hands off of it and say, have your way, Lord. Because we always have a tendency to get in the way. I remember when I was in the garage one day trying to fix something, and my son, Alex, little old bitty kid at that particular time, just kind of kept getting in the way. I mean, it got to the point that he got so in between me and the gadget that I was working on, I just kind of pulled back and said, man, you take it. And he took it. I started messing with it and figured out he couldn't do it, so he gave it back to me worse than it was when I gave it to him. See, we get like that with God. God gets to working on us, and we get in the way. And we realize we can't do it, man. We back off, and we give it back to him. Church, are you hearing it all this morning? See, these two scriptures are about to tell you what he's doing. These two scriptures are about to tell you about a holy temple. It's about to tell you about an image that he has created. It's about to tell you about something about yourself, and when you get to the point where you realize how it looks and what it's going to be, you will get your hands off of it. Because anytime you talk about anything being holy, you're talking about God's DNA. You're talking about something that has deep character in it. You're talking about something from that character that brings about uh, something that you call competence. Because in order for the character to be character, it has to have competence in it. And from that competence, there's chemistry. Because no matter where you go, you draw people. And that's what Jesus did. And when you talk about something that is holy, it is pure. It is, it, it is sanctified. But anytime you talk about temple, a holy temple, you're talking about these buildings that were specifically designed for spiritual activity. These buildings that were specifically designed for worship. Your house does not look like this building. It doesn't. Because back then, the temples and the synagogues were there for a purpose. 
And it's very seldom that you would see sacrifices and places uh, where people would do certain things at the altar. Your house would not be built like that, but they would build those temples like that. And all of a sudden, in these two scriptures, you see the word temple, and you see the word dwelling place. And I want you to understand that there's something big about that. There's something beautiful about that. And it has a lot to do with image, ladies and gentlemen. It has a lot to do with branding. And you and I are involved in social media today. And everybody's got a brand. Everybody's got a website. Everybody's got Facebook, that book, Jungle Book, all that stuff. Because of image. Because of brand. And people do all kind of things to their images. They do all kind of things to their bodies. They put stuff on it. All because of energy. Well, what I want to show you today before we go back into these scriptures is about the image of God, the temple of God, the dwelling place of God, because that's who you are. And I want to show this to you. Now, I'm going to take you to some scriptures so that you can get a pretty good understanding of what verse 21 and 22 is about when it talks about these holy temple and this uh, dwelling place. And one of the first scriptures I want to show you is Genesis 1.26. Now I want you to read this with me. I want you to understand, this is in the beginning. This is something that God did after he spoke the mountains into being, after he brought uh, vegetation, after he said, let there be light, after he brought animals, all that kind of stuff. Here's what he said. He said, then God said, let us. No, that's a big U. U.S., that's a big one. Why? Because it's multiplicity. It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and that us. He said, let us make man in our image. Now, I want you to think about this temple. I want you to think about this dwelling place. Let us make man in our image. And then he says, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Ladies and gentlemen, you're not a bird. You're not a dog. You're not a cat. It might be good if you were a bird because you wouldn't complain about man. Just, you know, I got this specific kind of fly. Because, see, when we conform to our image, we don't complain. I've never heard a squirrel says, I'm just sick and tired of chasing nuts. They conform. And we're the only ones that don't conform. And yet he says, you're not a squirrel, you're not a bird, you're not a dog, you're not a cat, you're not a cow. You were created in my image. Hallelujah. Amen. My image. Think about that. Wherever you go, you reflect the image of God. That's important for you to understand what a holy temple is going to look like. That's what it's important for you to understand what a dwelling place is going to look like. Not only what it looks like on the outside, but the inside. I'll get to that in just a moment. But look at these uh, other scriptures here that I want to just share with you. Now, the psalmist says something that I really, really believe that you and I ought to ask that question every single day. And it's a real question that says, Lord, who is going to hang out with you? Who can come to your house? Who can hang out in your tent? Who? Ain't no anybody just approach you. You're too holy. Who can get in there? When 
God, can I come into your presence? Will you come into mine? Look what he says here. Oh, Lord, who may abide in your tent? Who may dwell on your holy hill? He who walks with integrity and works righteousness and speaks truth in heart. So, ladies and gentlemen, not only are you created in the image of God and you become a citizen of God, but God is saying the only way you can hang out with him is that you're holy. The only way you can hang out with him is that you have integrity. The only way you can be around here is that you work righteousness. Because you cannot stand in the presence of a holy God and be okay. Hold on. Let's pass the potato chips. It ain't like that, gentlemen ladies. Sorry, ladies, I'll put gentlemen first this time. I want you to understand what God is building. I want you to understand what Jesus is building. Even now. Right now, as you and I speak. So he not only uh, sits down and tells us we're in his image, but, but he says, if you're going to hang out in my tent. Now, this here is a beautiful story. I like the story. Out of all the stories in the Bible, I love this one. Now, I'm going to set it up for you just a little bit. Now, you got to understand that Jesus' boys been hanging out with him, and Jesus told them when they got together, look here, man, y'all don't know what we're going to be. Man, we can be in the prairie. We can be in the temple. We can be on the temple course out in the square. We can be anywhere. I have no feather in my head. Well, this is one of those scenes where he finds himself in the open square, and guess who he is confronted with? He's confronted with Caesar and his boys over here, the council over there. He's also confronted by the zealots over there. And guess what? He got his 12 guys with him, and there's a bunch of people in the marketplace, man. He's done a lot of miracles, and there's some folks who think that they have cornered him. And guess what they asked him? And they said that they, now here it is, here's the scene. And, and they sent their disciples to him along with uh, Herodians uh, saying, Teacher, we know that you are truthful. And teacher, and teach the way of God and truth. And, and, different, and different to no one. For you are not partial to any. You know, they're setting him up, man. They're patronizing you now. Hey, we love you, brother. We, we, we know you do all this stuff. And then they, they, they do this here. Tell us. Then, what do you think? Is it lawful to give a poll tax to Caesar or not? It was a setup. Now, he's getting ready to say something that's going to have a lot to do with a holy temple. He's going to say something that has a lot to do with a dwelling place. Jesus is sharp. There's probably somebody in the crowd going, watch him, Lord. He's trying to trick you. Y'all are dead this morning. <laughs> I've told six jokes. You haven't moved. <laughs> and they be the jokes, so you understand. But he said, but Jesus perceived their malice and said, why are you testing me? He understands the heart. Every time you go to him, he knows their heart. And he says, you hypocrites, what a great exaltation. You know? <laughs> he says, and he said to him, whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar. You know why they said that? Because it was true. And to God, and he said to them, 
to God the things that are God. Now, I, I, I missed that somewhere. Because it should have said, then give the things to Caesar that belongs to Caesar, if his face is on it. And then give the things to God that belong to God. Now, why did he say that? See, because Caesar has given you citizenship. <laughs> Caesar has given you a place to live. He has given you roads. He's given you a place to make money. He's done all that. And you need to respect him. But he says, look, man, Caesar's image is on this coin. But watch this. What he's basically saying is whose image is on you? And you give what belongs to me. God told us to respect the government, but never to bow down and worship it. Never to give God, give the government what belongs to God. Never do that. And so it's important for you to understand when you go back and look at verse 21 and 22, and you start hearing about this holy temple, it's about image. It's about what he's creating. It's about what he's developing in you. And I will say it again. When God looks at you, you take his breath away. But if you could see what he was doing, you would get your hands out of the way and say, God, have your way. No matter how dizzy I get, no matter how many times you have to beat me down, no matter how many times you have to remove the pimples, no matter how many times you got to spin me around, no matter how many times you got to put me in the furnace and burn me up, if I'm going to look like that, have your way. But so often we want to get off the spindle. So often we don't want to repent from the moon because what? We want to create our own image. So Jesus is working something here. Man, he's working it good. He's working it good. Church, are you with me this morning at all? I'm just reading scripture here. Now watch this. Now I love this part. Now there's, there's two things here that, 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 that I'm going to say to you before we go back to the scripture. Because I want you to walk out of here today understanding something about yourself and about the work that God is doing in you. Now he says here in Corinth, he says, do you not know that you are what? A temple of God? Do you not know that? John, this is it. You're a temple of God, man. That's built on something. And, and he says what? And that the Spirit of God, okay, dwells in you. Dwells in you. All right? And then, if any man destroys the temple of God, and man, I don't have to stop and talk about that. Because you and I are destroying that temple every single day by what we put on it, by what we do to it, by what we let in it. we got an ear gate, an eye gate, a mouth gate. And whatever you let into it is going to affect that temple. And that's your responsibility. And it's mine. He said, man, look here. Be careful now. But God will destroy him for the temple of God is holy. Watch this. This is the big one here. I want you to listen to this real close. Here it is. And that is what you are. Looking for the will of God in your life. <laughs> Try to find out who you are. You can stop it today, send me the money. Okay? 
Don't go try to be anything else. That's who you are. That's what you are. All the time. Every day. 24-7. I'll say it again. When God looks at you, you take your breath away. But if you could see what he was doing, you would get your hands off of it. You say, God, have your way with this temple. or chaos, a house 
Christians that are being added to this particular human building every single minute, every single day, and God is going to gather as many as he can to himself before he shuts it down. There will come a day where it will be it. Nobody else can get in. And the end will come. And there will not be a single man, woman, and child on this earth who have not heard about Jesus Christ. That is God's responsibility. I think the most arrogant question I have ever heard was somebody tell, ask me, well, what about the people in Africa? How arrogant is that? Is? What about the people way off in the jungle over in Australia? How arrogant that is. As if our God is just limited to the United States. If he's not big enough to go to the pygmies, pygmies are going, man, what about people in America? What makes you think our God is that small? So what he's saying is, he is doing something. He is taking this building and it's being fitted together. That means it's being shaped for a specific fit. It's going to be suitable for something. And he's saying this. He's fitting them together. Each one. Every Christian that comes is going to be a part of that human martyr. It's going to be a part of that human prey. They're going to have particular stained glass windows in this thing. Every Christian is going to have a place. And guess what? It is growing into something. It is not growing into something because it has nothing else to do. But it's growing into something because of scope. Because of size. That's what it's doing. All over the world. Pulling us together. Pulling us together. And then he says something about this word that I told you earlier. Growing into Hegaios. Watch this, ladies and gentlemen. A holy temple. Now let me say this to you. Yes, this is a heathen place. That's why we have so many challenges. Because in order to be a place that heals people, there's got to be people who are hurt. I'm not saying go get hurt and come get healed. I'm not saying that. But the name outside of the door has to fit what goes on on the inside. You can't go into a hospital asking for burgers. You can't. That's what people get, get worked on. Man. So when people come inside the church, they should see something. And that temple is the temple because of what's on the inside being reflected on the outside. And what's on the outside is being reflected on the inside. It is a holy place. Watch this. It is God's standard. Now, I, I, will, I will challenge anybody in this room. And all the people here again, you're going to hear me share this. I'm not a man that's against anything in the kingdom. But I will challenge this attitude of soaking before God. I would challenge you. I'm not saying you can't. But man, every time I saw in the Old and New Testament where Jesus showed up and people experienced him, his holiness, they lost their strength. Man, they hit the ground. They were prostrate. They were. I don't see Everybody wants his love. But nobody won't talk about holiness anymore. 
We don't even want to talk about hell anymore. And yet that's a reality. Now you can't get into heaven without being holy. You can't. Now there are people who preach purity and perfectness and living good. But do you understand that that holy God is making you holy? Do you know that? I mean, that's the thing you just have to get sent out. That's some things you just don't even look at anymore. That's some places you just can't go anymore. That's some things that you say, get this off of me. Why? Because of what he's doing inside of you. Because all these other things just can't compare to what it means to walk with a holy God. Jesus said, and it said in the book of Leviticus, I want you to be perfect. I want you to be holy just like me. Look at him. Just like me. That's what it's about. Hey, that's what he's building. He's building a holy temple. And he's bringing people who he's making holy to that structure. He's bringing people who he's making holy to that design. Look at Jesus don't make freaks out of people. He makes people out of freaks. You understand that? He'll take a freak, man, and he'll make it a human being. That's what he does. And so I'm here to encourage you. I'm here to say, look here, when you walk out of this place, you need to understand something, man. I mean, my mom and dad used to tell me all the time, Hey, son, you're leaving the house? Don't forget, you're representing us. Tell me that all the time. And I would wonder how many things you would do, how many things you would look at, how many things you would say if you know what you did, looked at, and what you said would affect other people in the church. See, you see, you have, you have to get away from the me thing and get into the we thing and realize what you do affects everybody. We're not talking about some bird dying and nobody cares. Man, we're, we're talking about some stuff here where God is saying, I'm going to have my woman on this side of heaven. I'm going to have that holy temple. And that's my standard. And, and the best you can do is sin against it because I ain't changing it. <laughs> and I'm not changing it for nobody. See, when God wrote the Ten Commandments, he didn't write it in light of man's uh, inability. He wrote it in light of his own character. He wrote it in light of his own competence. He wrote it in light of his own chemistry. And he's saying, that's the bar that you have to have. And that's the bar that I'm going to work on. I'm going to make you a holy temple. And then he said, in the Lord. It's inside the Lord. It's the work of the Lord. Now watch the second part here. Okay? I'm just getting ready now to kind of land the, the plane here. Hope you're with me today, because y'all ain't laughing like you were last week. I hope you had a good week. I did. It's great. And see, the temple is holy on the outside because it's holy on the inside. Watch this, because form follows function. And, 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 and if he's saying that I'm getting ready to give you a new wineskin, Okay, because verse 22 is getting ready to tell you about the wine, but he's making a new humanity 
into a new wineskin. Well, if it's a new wineskin, guess why it's going to be a new wineskin? Because of verse 22, because he's getting ready to pour new wine in it. He, he, he can't pour that new wine into you if the wineskin ain't ready to receive it. I understand waiting on the Lord. I understand soaking in his presence. I understand that. But I also understand getting up and getting out and going be what you were soaking in in the first place so you wouldn't at all. See, I understand praying 24 hours a day. I understand coming into these places and having these prayer meetings. But man, let's get up, get off of our knees, get off of our, on our feet and get into the streets. So you with me? So that that holiness man can touch wherever you go, whether it's a restaurant, or no matter where you go, whether it's a university, it doesn't make any difference. Why? Because he wants to pour this new wine in. Now watch how verse 22 unfolds. Watch how it unfolds. Okay? Now verse 22 says, in whom? You remember? In whom? In whom? In whom whole body. Watch this. Whole building to what? You. In the whole building to you. And then he says, also of being built. Now watch this. Being built from whole building. These things connect. There's a design here. And then he says, together, which also has fitted together. When you say fitted together, you say together into what? Into this dwelling place. Now, why is this so important? Because this is something. He makes the little us in his name, in his image, so that the big us, U.S. could dwell in the little us. I'm going to say it again. He makes the little us in his image so that the big us could dwell in the little us. And that's what he wants you to do. So when people see you, watch this, they see Jesus. When people see you, they go, this people are different. Do you remember? I think it's the fourth chapter of Acts. I can't quote it right now. But when the Pharisees had uh, John and Peter stand in front of them, and the first thing they said that these are uneducated men. They were looking at the credentials of seminary. But here's what they said. But they looked like they must have been with Jesus. Now let me say this to you. What about the road to Emmaus? Emmaus. Jesus was walking with these guys. And it says, man, after he left, he said, when he was with us, man, that our hearts are not burned. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Do people burn when you come around in their heart? When you're around people, do they say, man, this guy is different. This woman is different. I often ask that myself. Attract the church because how small it is and how intimate it can 
build on a lot of people. But guess what? He may not even be there either. But the fact is, when they come in, do they see Jesus? When they look at you, do they see Christ? I think they do. I believe that they do. But know why? Because I believe God has given his word to us. In spite of our pimples, <laughs> in spite of our downfalls, look here, in spite of our crap, I remember having a couple of our own, maybe a couple of years ago, Nick and I was counseling them, and they wanted to talk to us, and a young girl just started crying. And said, you know what I found out? We're all messed up. <laughs> and I said, yeah, now you understand. We're all messed up. And the only one that can put it together now is Jesus. And so in whom also you are being built together into what? This dwelling of God. Now does that when I freeze my brain on that thought, that the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, Elohim, El Shaddai, the Holy of Holies, the Wonderful Counselor, the Prince of Peace, Almighty God, the one who walks on the water, the one who opens the blind eyes, the mute speak, the deaf hear, the one who stopped the funeral procession and gave someone his life back. The one who said to the sea, stop it. Stop raging. Be quiet. That one wants to dwell in me. Think about that. That one wants to hang out in me. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'll say this to you. God is going to make you holy. Here is your responsibility. I'm going to ask you to do that today. Get out of the way. Get out of the way. Get out of the way. Yield. I've been doing that for the last year. And I want you to understand something, man. It's painful. Because I want to be in control. It's painful because I want to design the way it happens. And yet he keeps telling me, Johnny, when I look at you, you take my breath away. I gave you that breath, man. And what he's saying, when I look at you, I see my son. And I'm on something to show you what I'm doing, Johnny. And then you're going to say, have your way. I think some of you today, let him make this whole temple. You would let him continue to design it. You would let him continue to form it. You would let him continue to shape it. And you will not decide how it looks, the way it looks, or how it's done. And that's what he's calling the church to do today. Just a few closing words. I hope, I hope you had a good week. Man, I pray for you all week. I really did. I prayed and asked God that he would give me favor with you today. And that this message would convict you in your heart. This message would say, you know what? This is who I am. And I'm not my own. This message would say, I am a 
holy temple. This message will say God does dwell in you. Because God wants you to move from knowing that you were created in his image to him having you see that you are part of his citizenship to where you begin to learn that you are his ownership. He owns you. And guess what? The last word. Lordship. He is your Lord. And he's your king. And one of the things America does not know how to do is to worship a king. Because in those days, Isaiah 50. 
trying to make. That's why he's not trying. He's going to make all of his own. He's going to make a dwelling place for God. Think about that. Now, before we take up this offering, if there is something on your heart that you feel like you need to do, this altar is always open. Bless it, and God, we give it joyfully and freely. 